Hi, welcome to Winner Signed Away Show. I am your host, Trent Clark. Little message for you today, especially. I had a significant issue in the audio in this upcoming file. And unfortunately, you're not going to hear me very well in this upcoming show with the CEO of Recovery Unplugged, Andrew Sassen. And Andrew is fabulous. His audio sounds good. So I do apologize. I'm traveling and using a new headset with Beats which I'm super excited about this headset that's very easy to use, but I operated uh, in error and was speaking into the wrong end and not into the proper microphone on that. But uh, just love my beats have been great for noise canceling when I travel. So please enjoy this episode. Winners find a way. And thank you for our listeners. We are now up over 100 episodes. And if you haven't had a chance, please listen to our 100th episode. It's a fabulous listen. If you are interested in ever booking a meeting with me, discussing directly, you can email me at trent at leadershipity.com. You can find a time to meet. Always thankful. And for everyone who sent me special get wells and recoveries, I had a major car accident. And I just thank you out there from the bottom of my heart. I am healing. I'm fine. And uh, we'll recover quickly here. Just a few bumps and bruises, and uh, thankfully, hopefully, everyone involved in the accident is recovering quickly. So thankful for the wishes. Thank you for everybody out there for Winners Find a Way. Please enjoy this upcoming episode of Winners Find a Way with Andrew Sass and the CEO of Recovery Unplugged. But over my life, it's been just how I've done everything is you keep moving forward, you keep pushing forward, and you find a way. Hello, welcome to Winners Find a Way Show. I am your host, Trent Clark, CEO of Leadershipity and also AIM NIL Academy, where we teach all these young athletes how to be entrepreneurs. Most people know me because I spent 13 years in professional baseball coaching in three World Series. And today on the show, I got a special guest. Austin Andrew, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great today, Trent. Got super excited about everything you've been up to, man. You have just lived a crazy lifestyle, man, and a crazy life. It's incredible. And uh, we're going to play you a little bit in just a moment. First, I want you to tell everybody where they can find you on social, email, how they can reach out to you. Sure. Recoveryunplugged.com is our website. And I am Andrew.Sassin, S-O-S-S-I-N, at recoveryunplugged.com. And I'm on LinkedIn. Facebook, Instagram, and the like. Super excited about that. Just completed my first TEDx talk, Andrew. And uh, I'll probably put that in the show notes, that link. But I want to talk about, you have had this miraculous run and a real heart for people and caring for them. But yourself, you were from originally, I think, right? And then, but you were a kid, really. You were a Canadian. And maybe, maybe most people don't know about that you have dual citizenship because you've been in Florida a long time. Almost since what? One? Yeah, so we I was born in Toronto. My mom's family's from uh, the Brooklyn area. My dad from Toronto. And I was born in Toronto and got to South Florida when I was a the old age of six weeks old. So uh, I grew up here in Hollywood, South Florida, but I am an American and I have my Canadian citizenship as well. And I've had that all of my life. That's awesome. So you a couple of things you got there in your back. What's some of the things in the background that you have there? I see you got some pictures. You got, uh, what is, is, there a, is there a profit of a phone up there behind you? So, oh, behind me. So I've always been enamored with space. 
And in 2005, I got to, I rented a MiG 25 in Russia and flew to the edge of the atmosphere right before space, got to break the sound barrier, go Mach 2, was an absolutely incredible experience, but I've never actually been to space. And so, you know, over the years, just, you know, I've got to meet different people and, and experience. That's a picture of everybody that went to the moon and that's the moon looking back on earth signed by everybody that went there that I was at 20 years ago. Next to that is a uh, quote from Muhammad Ali. In front of me, which you can't see, is my favorite quote from Rocky, Rocky Balboa. Uh, you know, it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you could get hit and keep moving forward. And then the quote by Richard Branson, if your dreams don't scare you, they are too small. I've had that up there for a couple decades. And ironically, because of a Zoom last year, somebody saw that and asked me why I had it. I said I'd read his book in 1998. I'd always been enamored by what Richard Branson has done, both personally and professionally. They asked Matt, they said no. And then I ended up getting invited and getting to go with Maverick, the group Maverick, to Necker Island with Richard in March for five days. That was absolutely amazing. Just so, you know, my, my theory now is when he was alive, I got to meet Muhammad Ali. And one time, long, long time ago, because of that picture, I got to meet Richard. And so all I got left is to get to space, which I'm hoping to do in the next decade or less. Well, well we hope to get some NASA uh, followers just today and they're watching. Like, if you're out there, NASA, like, listen, Andrew, this is a little lift. You need to go check it out. Or some SpaceX, too. We got, you know, a couple followers over the SpaceX crew. So, um, yeah, we'll find a way. I got some good buddies right now on Necker Island with Richard. And, oh, yeah? Uh, so they're, yeah, yeah, they're posting every day, enjoying the, uh, their week down there. And, um, that's really cool. Now, now let me, um, the, one of the things that I was enamored by, because you really, um, you, 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 you bridge this gap between music and recovery and uh, the value of people that are working through addiction and challenges in their life, and we've had no challenges. And I, I was enamored by the thought of you going to Rome and being, you know, kind of backpacking and kind of being a nomad through Europe and sleeping on a park bench in Rome across from a five-star hotel. And then, uh, I think it was six years later, eight years later, um, you were staying in that five-star hotel across from that park bench. Is that right? You know, I was very fortunate when I was younger. I was not afraid to just go places and do things. My first actual trip by myself was Costa Rica. I went to visit my dad's uncle down there. And after the second day, he's like, all right, go, go. I'm like, go where? I don't speak Spanish. I don't know what to do. He's like, just go, go to Jaco. I got in a bus and I just went. 16 years old, by myself in another country with a backpack. Great time. And then when I was at University of Florida, I ended up getting a scholarship to do a business program in London. And every week I just decided that Seeing the world and understanding the world and the local people was much more important than anything I could learn inside of a classroom. I did both. I maintained a scholarship throughout college, but I really did. So I just grabbed a backpack, stayed in hostels. And in one of my trips to when we went to Italy, the hostel was full. So I had nothing. I mean, I wasn't really worried. I was worried like my shoes, my boots at the time were like the most expensive thing I own. But I really didn't have any money. So I was like, what's somebody going to take? So I just lied down on a bench. And then ironically, it was about six... Six and a half, seven years later, uh, on my honeymoon, I was in a five-star hotel across the street from there. You know, one of those things that I couldn't have ever imagined. A, 
being married to being able to afford that in that short period amount of time when I was able to. Wow. That's, that's, yeah, it's a big story, man. I love it. Tell us a little bit about uh, Recovery Unplugged. So Recovery Unplugged, again, not something which I ever would have imagined I would be doing. Uh, in my younger days, I, I was in the insurance industry. I did insurance with athletes and entertainers and then had my own insurance agency in Florida, in New York, and in Israel. And then I had a call center and you know, I was involved in multiple different companies and projects, always on the insurance side though. And then my wife and I were helping several family members that were battling addiction over many years. Uh, and it was just a revolving door and we didn't know what we didn't know, but we wanted to help them. So we kept paying for different treatment centers and different therapies and it was just a cycle. And so on my way back from uh, Tony Robbins event in Fiji, actually, I had made the comment that it'd be cheaper for me to open up my own treatment center for my family and friends and keep paying for other ones. And, you know, my friend Marshall Geyser, a criminal defense attorney, was representing a family member at the time who had gotten arrested for Oxycontin. She had gotten into a car accident, her and her cousin, and, and they got addicted. And they were about to be sentenced to 15 years. And so what I realized at that time is they were addicts, not criminals. So we were able to get their sentence reduced to the drug court program. And Marshall introduced me to a gentleman, Paul Pellinger, who helped create the mental health and drug court system that people would get treatment instead of jail. And he had this idea of using music as a catalyst for therapy. He introduced us to Richie Supa. Richie was a former touring member of Aerosmith, as well as many other bands. Uh, and Richie had this thing called Recovery Unplugged, which was just this idea of using music in different treatment centers. We came together with uh, Dr. David Kramer and Rob Harrison, who were roommates at Cornell. Rob was in long-term recovery. And I said, look, I'm not a musician. I'm not a doctor. But I know there's got to be a better way. And after, you know, at that time, a decade and a half doing stuff with Tony Robbins, I knew that, you know, if you want to do something, you just have to go do it and find the people that can do it. So between Dr. Kramer and Richie, we're able to use music as a catalyst for evidence-based therapy. So what that basically means is we use music to break down defenses and build rapport, and that allows our therapists to do evidence-based treatment. And what started with some of my own family members 10 years ago, really excited because as of um, October 31st, we had helped 13,000 people, which I could have also never imagined considering we were treating 20 people a month in the beginning. And we grew from Florida, South Florida, to Austin, to Nashville, to the DC metro area, to New Jersey. And then we grew from an inpatient facility to an outpatient facility, to now we have online intensive outpatient programs. And coming up literally in 90 days, or less, uh, beginning of, the, of 2024, we're opening our first inpatient mental health facility, utilizing the methods that we now have a proven track record on in addiction for mental health. And one of the greatest things I could have never imagined, you know, just seeing my own family and friends that, you know, I had bought my mother-in-law's burial plot. I thought it was over. And now, you know, she's doing fantastic. My kids are able to have sleepovers at their grandma's house that, that we didn't think would be alive. And Nova Southeastern University here in, uh, in South Florida did an outcome study, you know, which shows what we're doing is working. We're at a 50.3% success rate, five times better than the national average. And again, there is no cure. There is no silver bullet, but with recovery unplugged, behavioral health, with what we've done with addiction and now mental health, we are making a difference. I'm really excited about what we're about to do because it's been a struggle. It has been, uh, I'm sure, you know, you've talked to, athletes and business owners and entrepreneurs, 
and we've had the peaks and valleys and and we've had some real real low valleys where we weren't going to sure this was going to work but now not only is it working but we're growing and i'm just real excited about what we're going to be able to do over the next few years exponentially more than what we did the last 10. you have been great stories about being a you are a former athlete in a way right and when you get into athletics and insurance now the most people don't know about you is you're not a, a you know you're not a significant athlete on your high school teams as a contributor on the field but your superpower is you're a fundraising expert you become this entrepreneurial mindset that says Hey, I bring money and value to the team. I work my butt off to be the best I can be. But it turns out skill, talent, and these things aren't your superpower. Is that fair? Very much so. Very much so. I, I am definitely not an athlete. I did my best when I was a kid. I played t-ball, baseball for eight years. I was the best left bench warmer ever. I did sell more raffle tickets than anyone on the, every team. And, you know, back then... They had to put you on a team. When I got to high school, I decided I'm going to play football. I watched Rudy, for those of us old enough to remember that movie. And I went out, and I, I refused to get off the field. So the coach made me a tackle dummy for two gentlemen. One ended up in the NFL and broke every record at Notre Dame. The other one ended up at MSU, hurt his neck, and now is a, is a coach and a teacher. But I wasn't good. I just believed in myself enough to realize that I'm going to stay here until they literally throw me off or my body just collapses. I ended up uh, breaking my heel bone. Uh, so my body, you know, told me that was it. The doctor said I got a better chance of owning a team than playing for one, which I found humorous and used as motivation as well. But it was really all about the fact that I was going to put my mind to do something and do everything I could. I trained, I worked out, I woke up early, I stayed late at the time was quite frustrating, depressing when you're 14, 15 years old. But over my life, it's been just how I've done everything is you keep moving forward, you keep pushing forward, and you find a way. Yeah, let's talk about that winners find a way, man. Like, I love that quote. Then this one's showing data that they're losing, find a way to win. And, man, you really epitomize that. Obviously, you've taken those lessons from giving the effort to be the best you could be, which makes all sure. In, in these things, but it doesn't fall short. And, and maybe you and me buying the Dolphins or the Panthers, we'll figure that one out soon, all right? And then, but for your work, even Andrew, you, you figure out that, hey, sports isn't the only thing you go up against. That left me through a time where you thought, hey, man, like, this is the struggle and it's real. And we have clear data that we're not winning here. We are losing. And we got to figure out how to win. How to win. Partnerships, anything like that that you've been through that, like, man, how do we overcome this and how you, how you found your way through? Sure. I've got a lot of stories like that over my life. But looking at, you know, what's happened here, one of the things I realized early on at Recovery Unplugged, well, I didn't realize early on. I realized later on, I wish I would have realized a lot, is that I was a little naive. I thought that just by doing good and helping people, everything would work out. And what I realized when it was quite detrimental to our survival and my financial future was our job is to save people's lives. People will live or die based off what we do, but we get paid from insurance companies and insurance companies are in the business of collecting premiums and fighting claims. 
And that's just a fact, whether you like it or not. And so I was a little naive believing that just by doing everything correctly, it would all work out. And so we got to a point of five years ago where we weren't sure we were going to make it. I mean, we were literally, I woke up middle of the night. We have, you know, three days to figure out how to make payroll. I've got, I don't know what to do. You know, we're doing everything correctly, but you know, one of the big insurance companies decided not to pay us and I had to sue them. And even though I won, I lost because even though I'm right, they could just hold your money. And when you're a small business, you know, you got to figure out what to do. And so I was really questioning, you know, like, I was upset for a minute. And then one of the things I learned in my Tony Robbins days was 90 seconds, 90 minutes. Something gets you angry. You're allowed to be angry for 90 seconds. If it's real serious, maybe 90 minutes. You got to figure out what the heck you should do. You got to figure out, just move forward, right? Pity party's over. And so we figured it out. I mean, literally, I not that I would ever recommend anyone to mortgage their house, empty their accounts, take out their kids' college funds, but I did it all. And we persevered. And- what I realized from that was not only do we have to continue to keep our integrity, do the right thing by our clients, put the clients first, second, and third, but the more financially stable we are, the better we can do. Okay. And so I'm a hopeful person, but hope is not, you know, a business model. And so from that, from that day going forward, you know, we realigned what we did so we could continue to help people the right way. But you know, we have to be able to get paid every week. We have 400 full-time team members that have to get paid every week, no matter what, a nonprofit. And so, you know, what that allowed us to do was get clear. You know, we got to the brink and we weren't sure we were going to be here. I questioned whether this is what I wanted to do and maybe I'm just going to lose it all and start over. And then I said, no, no, this is worth fighting for. This is worth risking everything for. And I did. And, you know, we got through it and now we're in a much more stable place which allows us to help more people. And I think that's the important part was had that not happened, we would just keep skating by month after month, helping more people, but not being you know really secure. But the more stable we are, the better we can do for everyone that needs help. That's what I learned from that. Let's piggyback for a minute because you know, said a couple of things that I thought are really great. I love that you're a hopeful person. I think that's really awesome. Right? One of the things we learn in business, like, Hope is not a great business strategy. I love the quote, right? Hope is hope is not a strategy. <laughs> like, and, and we should have it. I, I do not believe we should not have it. But one of the things that you mentioned is that you want a case versus a large insurance company. Um, and of course, they're appealing, appealing, and they're kicking the can down the road on making payment on that, which makes you whole and makes you solvent, um, not insolvent. But there's a moment where you come down and I think you got what 72 hours until the whole thing the jig is up and what you you get some maybe divine intervention something directs your step to someone who picks up a phone and connects to you and says hey I want to help walk me through that so it happened to be that the day this happened one of our investors happened to be with one of his biggest clients and uh, that gentleman that morning was in a Bible study class. And the lesson that day was about doing good by helping others. And that if God has helped you or the universe of random beliefs, that it's your responsibility to help others. And it just so happened that that was the lesson that day. And this gentleman had just sold one of his multiple companies. And I called my friend who was an investor and said, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm, we're out. We're out of options here. We've got 72 hours. 
and they were they just completed this deal and they rerouted their plane instead of going home they flew to our facility the next day literally this was at 11 o'clock at night i i used the the wording that um you know if there's ever a time to do good with all that money it's right now i'm not asking for a gift right i'm asking for someone that believes in me you know i'll guarantee it you know um if i if i lose it all i lose it all and, and i did personally guarantee it put up my house and everything else um and and that's all i had left at that point but they rerouted their plane they flew to our facility in austin and our facility in nashville to just meet the people and i and i i didn't tell the people they were coming i said you go look for yourself at what we're doing and you tell me if we're, if we're worth you know potentially helping and they did that it was a thursday uh, thursday uh, night they went friday they went saturday that sunday they called me that sunday night that monday they flew to florida we sat in a room for 15 hours and seven figure wire came in you know for us to be able to cover everything we needed by that afternoon you know and then we embarked on a on a 24 month journey together with them to kind of realign straighten things out and then you know they went they were already doing other things they continued on what they were doing and we've been stable from there it was challenging i mean it was the most challenging thing i've done in my life to take a step back to look at where i made mistakes to admit that things didn't go exactly as i thought they would be to have somebody else you know really looking under and, and every single every single decision that was ever made questioning it and having to to go through that but it was horrible at the time but it got us got us where we need to be and 24 months, literally 24 months later, we were able to pay them back every dollar and then some and, you know, grow from there. In many different situations throughout my life, even when we started Recovery Unplugged, you know, just to give that 20 second, uh, 20, you know, 30 second story, when we started Recovery Unplugged, we had this idea, we went, we found this property, we had somebody that was going to be our partner that literally 10 days before we were going to close on the property decided they weren't going to be our partner. You know, I didn't know what to do uh, at the time. I, I had already put up the down payment, non-refundable. You know, it was a very good deal in Port Lauderdale. So again, you know, came down to 48 hours before closing, figured out a way. Uh, at the time I was doing, you know, like I said, insurance and gentleman had called up to find out about annuities. Annuities were paying like two and a half percent of the time. He got all angry at how low it was. I said, well, there's this property. This is what we're doing that, you know, literally 12 hours later, met me at the property, went to the bank together and, um, you know, he bought the property, you know, I put up the down payment, he bought the property with us. We had a, a, a secondary loan and that's how we started. So, you know, five years later when we had this other issue, up until the moment it was done, nobody believed it would be done. I, I did, I did, I, I didn't know how, I didn't know how, and I mean, we got really close really close. But I think it's a mindset that if you believe no matter what, you are going to figure it out and you believe in what you're doing and you have integrity. And I think that's also important is because I think over the last several years, you know, especially you see stuff in the news is you have people that do things and find ways to do them without integrity. And, and I think that gets a lot of a lot of coverage and a lot of stories and people talk about it. But there are exponentially more people. I've met them all over the country, all over the world, entrepreneurs 
that find a way with integrity, that do the right thing, that take care of their people, that take care of the people that help them. And I think that's most important because when you find a way with integrity, you know, which I've done my whole life, it comes back and it comes back and it comes back. And I think there should be more stories about that, about people that were, you know, trying to figure something out and that they didn't, they didn't do something that was detrimental to somebody else or lie or cheat or steal. They did it with integrity. And, and I think that's very important because that that's why we're still here. Unlock the full potential with your business with Leadershipity. Our proven strategies have fueled growth for countless organizations. Ready to elevate your leadership and scale your success? Book your free 15-minute consultation now. Click the link in the show notes below and let's make your business soar. Yeah, I love, and I think we can point to like ATX or whatever the, you know, crypto kid was operating with pure ugly intention. There was not a lot of integrity that he both promises that he knew he wasn't going to keep, couldn't keep, actually, quite frankly. And man, when the whole thing was busted, it's like, oh my gosh, how did this happen? And I'm like, you know, your leader had no integrity at all about any of this, right? And these are like these tragic stories. And I'm like, uh, nobody saw this coming. Like, And so it's a great point that you make that doing the right thing and staying focused on um, that we're not going to overpromise. We're not going to do something that we don't believe in to be good and right and, and not support with our wholehearted heart. I think that is a, a critical element. I, I want to talk quickly about the confidence you've garnered from that belief and from your experience of being able to overcome again and again. I'm not saying it doesn't happen every time. I'm not saying, Andy, that you, that you always win and never lose. You have a comfort in risk because you've got confidence in being able to see way and find a way to win. Is that fair? Yeah, I think it's developed over time. Obviously, you know, the older you get, you know, when you're young, you think you're invincible, and you know, you, I've jumped out of planes and and all the climb mountains and all that stuff. And so, in those situations, even back when when you know, in uh, I was twenty something years old. We were in Tokyo. Um, I was doing an insurance deal. Me and my best friend uh, Grant and his dad. We went. We, we went to Mount Fuji, and we were at the base. And Steve looked at me and he said, uh, "I bet you couldn't make it to the top." Literally, I bet I could. No gear. I mean, it was dumb, right? But you're young. You're twenty. You think you're invincible. So it was seventy-five degrees at the base. It was snowing at the top. I had an asthma attack. I got altitude sickness. I blacked out on the way up, but I made it to the top. Right? Made it to the top. Grant, his leg gave out. Steve, you know, my friend's dad, he, you know, after an hour, he's like, all right, I was just kidding. And I'm like, no, we are going to find a way. We're making it to the top. One of the dumbest things I've done, definitely, you know, a couple of people took our picture because they said that they wanted to be able to show authorities when they were looking for our bodies. So, but that's just an example of just sheer thinking that you can do it and, and being a little uh, naive. I think, you know, over the years, learning and growing and being fortunate enough uh, on the personal development world. You know, my friend, Grant, his dad, Steve, Steve Einhorn, been instrumental in my life. You know, I have great parents that taught me right from wrong and taught me values and taught me about just being a good person and helping others. That was instilled in a kid. And Steve, when I was very young, he introduced me to the personal development world. He gave me my first Zig Ziglar tapes which I listened to when I was 14 and I got to meet Les Brown when I was 16. 
He sent me and Grant to our first Tony Robbins seminar. And then from there, I went on and did work with Jack Hanfield and Asterix, the law of attraction, and got to meet Deepak and not just meet these people, but go to their events, read their books, and actually practice what they teach. And so for me, it's learning over and over again in different situations, different times, in different ways, right? It's the neural connections from multiple different situations that you can overcome. That doesn't mean you know, you jump off a building without a parachute. That doesn't mean you try and take, uh, I see this all the time, especially with young people, they think they're going to, you know, everybody's going to, you know, make the next thing and come up with the next idea and be a billionaire, right? Like there is a lot of hard work, effort, right place, right time, and just pure luck, right? In getting from here to there. And I think that today, one of the most important things that people don't understand is the word grit, right? Is that, you know, a lot of people, even lately, is, you know, I was at an event this week and somebody's like, oh, wow, you know, I've seen you guys all over the place. You guys have really come a long way in a short period of time. And I'm like, well, that's one way to look at it because you just heard of us now, but it's been 10 years. It's been 3,650 days of straight grinding every day, dealing with people, dealing with people's lives, dealing with their families, making sure that they get through, making sure that our team is supported, you know, to get to where we are. And so I think that you know, it's the idea of it's not just about, you know, always moving forward, right? You got to have a strategy. You got to have a plan. And most importantly, most importantly of all of this is the people that are around. Without my executive directors, without my COO, without my partners, without my executive advisor, Rob, we're not here, right? I could meditate in the morning and have the best attitude in the world, but without people executing 24 hours, we, are, we, we don't close. We're open on Christmas. We're open on New Year's. We're open at 3 a.m. Right, I have 24-hour life-saving center. Without my team from the top to the bottom, we are not here. And that's why I invest and I just brought, you know, and I have 15 to 20 employees every year go to Tony Robbins UPW. I invest in, if they want to go back to school, if they want higher education, whatever it is that's going to allow people to be better who they are and what they do, I'll invest in because none of this, none of what we have accomplished and what we're going to accomplish happens without everybody working together. I love it, man. I love it. Man, I got to tell you a couple things you really hit there. The grit, right? I love the grit formula. Talent times effort equals skill. Skill times effort equals achievement. And this is the problem I see, you know, especially in my world of professional sports, I see tons of talent all the time. 10 talents, nine talents, three efforts. That's a bad formula. A 20, a, a nine and a three is 27 bring that down and then you got a 27 times three you have a highly skilled athlete who could play at the professional level in the major leagues who's not even a 100 on a 1000 scale you're like man and then you take like a tom brady right who's a six talent but a 10 effort guy and he's a 60 so 60 times 10 is 600 and i'll tell anybody who will listen when it comes to grit and you do that formula, I would not hire an executive on your team who doesn't come in under 400. And you're probably, if you ever have any employee come in under 200, you should immediately get rid of them. I mean, immediately. I, listen, I understand that and learning about the formula now. One of the things we did about a year, year and a half ago, I met Sean Callagy from the Unblinded organization. And... Uh, I met him through Tony. And so, you know, Sean, I've been working with, 
that uh, is coaching and training. And I took a group of our team members and said to every one of them, I'll pay for you to get this coaching and training for the next six months on me. I, it'll, it'll better you. And I knew within the first 30 days who was still going to be with us because the people that were there three days a week, just listening. And then there were people that had an excuse on why they weren't able to do something every single time. That alone right there, you know, is just the effort to put in, right? When somebody's offering you free education, if you devalue that off the bat, then this may not be what we should be doing together. And that's one of the things, and like I told everybody, you know, not everything is for everybody, but if you're going to have an opportunity and not even going to put forth the first 30 days, then, you know, I know what I need to know. Let's talk a little bit about, because you've had, I mean, you are the epitome, Andrew, of continuous learning, continuous improvement. I mean, lifelong learners are leaders. We've always known this, you know, Andrew, you and I have studied a lot, but it is challenging. I, I want to talk about the gap between people that come in and gather information and people that get information and execute on that information. So two very different things because you and I have met a lot of, and I'm not knocking this, a lot of college professors, right? Where it's like, yes. oh, I've got, I've got tons of data. And it's like, hey man, you can not only, you're not doing anything about that data, but you can't even educate Andrew and I on that data, going to the class. And we all went to university. We all sat in these classes going, this is clearly a brilliant person. And she's having a very challenging time communicating what she knows and what we need to know, right? Talk, walk me through how you have bridged that gap from learning to learning and executor. One of the things I'm very fortunate about is when I was at University of Florida, I went to a job fair once. My friend's like, hey, come to a job fair. I'm like, I'm not working for anybody. He's like, come to the job fair. I was a sophomore. There was a, a woman I met there and I ended up getting an interview at Northwestern Mutual. And they said, they can't hire me at the time because I was too young. So I said, oh, now I got a challenge. So I said, put me in your training program. And if I'm not the number one rep, fire me. doesn't cost, I mean, you're not paying me money back then. They didn't have to. It's all different rules now. But they had to train me. And I went in that training program and I learned everything possible. And then I went out on my own and sold. And I was the youngest and number one person in the state of Florida, top 20 in the country, you know, when I was 19. And so that's where some of the other people kept learning, kept learning, kept learning. They were going to start making calls once they had this. They had to get this license. They had to get that license. They had to get this. I learned as much as I could. And then I just picked up the phone, started going. I mean, this is, you know, before LinkedIn, before all this easy stuff, we had to go see people. I would sit in my friend's bar. The friend ran a restaurant in Hollywood. has been there 65 years. I would sit there, just sit at the bar and just till two o'clock in the morning, anyone that would just listen to me talk because that's how I practice. Some of those people are still my clients 25 years later. And so for me, it was always getting knowledge and then using it, getting knowledge and then using it, getting knowledge and using it. One of the things you can learn as much you need to learn. I constantly learn, but then you have to implement, implement and execute, implement, execute, implement, execute. And I did that, you know, when I was younger doing insurance, I did that when we started the call center that we helped scale from 50 people to 350 from America to Santo Domingo to Trinidad. Um, and then with Recovery Unplugged, it was okay. Let's learn what we have to do about this industry. Let's figure out you know, what we can and cannot say and do, how we can help people the most, and then let's execute. Let's go. Let's meet with those people. 
Let's actually implement what we're going to do. And I believe that you can learn all you want and you should, and you need to, but then you have to go out and implement and execute what you learn because you and I both know a lot of people that can conceptually tell you about how the world works, but you know, they can't get find their way out of a paper bag because they never actually attempted it. They've never dealt with people. They've never been put in situations where adversity strikes or, you know, look, when I, when I was doing insurance, I stopped counting how many people hung up on me. I didn't care. Great. Next. When it came to recovery unplugged, one of the things that I'm very grateful for is the people that are in our life saving center. These are for the most part, all people that are in recovery. And some of them today, if I look at my favorite stories, uh, Erica, she was a client that she came back as a minimum wage tech that she started working in her alumni department. Now she's my director of the entire division 10 years later. Fantastic story. But they truly, not only do we get the training, but they know when they're on the phone with somebody, it's life or death. If they don't help that person get help, whether it's us or somebody else, that person can die. And they believe that. So we get them the training, we do the role playing, and then they're there dealing with people with life and death situations you know, on a daily basis. And that's that's really the key is, is taking the education and putting it into practice. Yeah, I think you hit on something really important. When we talk about implement and execution, it's not as if someone reads the book and goes, oh, now I can do this as well as Tony Robbins has done this for 50 years. Not what we're saying here. Like the challenge is, is now taking that education and there's a whole nother learning on the other side. How does the client react? What do my, do my words matter? If I say this, a hang up is 10 seconds away after this word's used. You know, I can't use that word anymore. So Correct. I'm going to learn like, hey, trial and error, trial and error. And, and we all kind of start way out here, right? And it's trial and error, trial and error, trial and error. Oh, I'm learning a lot of things. It's getting tighter. It's getting tighter. And all of a sudden, it's like, man, I have found a really good sweet spot on how to take all that education out there and then bring it into my implementation and my execution strategy. And I know exactly what my clients need to hear, want to hear. I have found their pain points. I really want to talk quickly and pivot because it's so vital is that you have a, you have a big mission, Andrew, and the margin is the mission. For anyone out running an organization, running in a business ecosystem, you have 400 people that's reliant on this this operation and this job because this is how they make their living. And of course, our average families are four, so 2.2 children, right? So that's 1,600 people that are reliant on mom or dad position in this organization for college funding, food on the table, cars, gas. I mean, you name it. It goes on and on. It's the entrepreneur's dilemma is that responsibility is always weighted and it's heavy. So as we sit out there and talk about as the margin, the mission, and I don't care if you're an NPO, I don't care anything because when you are out of money, you're out of options. Talk to me about how important it is for you to have that ecosystem solid and sustainability for your organizations. You know, for us, it's like I said before, we, you know, we're dabbling in the industry of helping people. I, I used to joke, which wasn't funny, but it was that we run a really a good nonprofit that's not a nonprofit. And I did that for years and it got me into serious financial trouble because, you know, I just thought by doing good, we, we would do okay. And so I've always believed and treated everyone like family and still do so. 
And I believe that's what we are, one big family. But at the same time, you know, everybody needs to get paid every week. And so, you know, having the ability, especially in healthcare today, right? You have costs are up and forgetting about 2023. Prior to 2023, our margins were tight. 2023, all of our costs went up exponentially. We were just looking at, you know, from 2022 to 2023, 30% more. You know, I feed hundreds of people a day in our facilities. We're driving around on 28 or 29 vans at all times. So our insurance costs, our food costs up 30%. But I'm in contracts, right? We're getting paid from insurance companies where our margin is already under 5% and, and, and it's fixed. So, you know, it is a it is a real, real challenge and balance. And that's where I, I'm really excited about what we're doing virtually and online because it's a win and a win. I love all the fact of our inpatient detox centers and residential facilities, and we're full and we'll stay full and we'll keep that and we'll grow that. But now I can exponentially help people via our online intensive outpatient program. And, you know, from a business perspective, our margins are a lot higher there, right? Because I could have one group facilitator, you know, working with 10 people that are, that are now able to get help that they wouldn't be able to get because they're in rural Texas or Tennessee or even central Florida, or they're in a metropolitan area, but they don't want to sit in a room with people, right? So now I can actually exponentially help more people in our facilities, the more people we help virtually. And that's where the ability to have, you know, a higher margin online allows us to continue the work that we're doing, you know, in our, in our inpatient facilities, but it is a daily challenge. It's a daily struggle. It's a daily grind. You know, we believe in part of people when they're detoxing and going through recovery is they haven't had a good meal. They've had a good meal in probably a year or two, right? They've been eating just garbage if they're eating at all. And so everywhere that we operate, we operate with really fresh, organic, whole foods. We have, uh, you know, chefs at all of our places that, that cook really well. And that's very expensive, but that's just what we believe and we will continue to do that. And so, you know, it's the constant looking at working with how are we going to continue to keep all of our high client to staff ratio, the work that we do, the ability to serve at the level we serve and be financially stable at the same time. And, you know, we look at our numbers daily, right? We're measuring everything daily. One of the things I admire most about you, Andrew, and there's many things, by the way. So I do want you to understand that, but you are a worldwide ultimate humanitarian. And I really honor that because I believe in human nature. I believe in the human element. I believe that we are made the same. I am a higher power guy. I believe God has made us all uniquely. I mean, we're like snowflakes, right? None of us are the same. And I'm all right, yet we all bleed the same, right? So tons of similarities, tons of differences, all to be celebrated, right? But one of the things that you've done very well is you've leaned into the power grid of people that want to do well. They want to have these programs for people. They do want to, in their heart, ultimately help. They may not agree with the way you do it. They may not agree with your political opinion. They may not agree with you know, your background or, or heritage. They may not agree with this, but you have bridged gaps of humanitarian without a line in the sand of saying, you know what, 
I'm not going to work with you because I don't like who you voted for or who, where you spent your money last year. The lack of judgment and pretense on that becomes really important because at the end of the day, we come back to the serving of the people that benefit from that and the humanitarian effort and the thought that we're going to do good. And walk me through your stance on that because I think people really need to hear this today because you're a Jewish person. We are in a turmoil right now worldwide with with an issue that's going on and almost certainly a bias uh, against a heritage which i just i can't fathom it right that yet it's repeatable it's repeatable again and again and i'm absolutely scared for people who don't realize that's a fiction of one venture today and it'll be something else tomorrow and if you fall in that category watch out <laughs> that whole theory of it is a danger zone to me as it is right but I really want you to walk us through this because it's something that's so important and near and dear to my heart. And, and I know you're passionate about it. You know, I, I think there's a couple aspects to it. We're all human. We all believe the same, right? Whether you're darker or lighter, whether you speak English, or Spanish, right? In America, it doesn't really matter. We're all humans, regardless of what you believe, we're all humans. And we all deserve the ability to the pursuit of happiness for ourselves, for our families. And I believe we all have those same inalienable rights, you know, as Americans and as citizens of the world. I think one of my favorite visions in my mind a couple of years ago, we had these two gentlemen at our treatment facility. One was wearing a Obama Yes We Can shirt. He's from Chicago. And the other gentleman was wearing a Trump 2020 red shirt and a MAGA hat. And they had their arms around each other and they were singing Lean On Me. When a Richie, Richie does this thing during our feel good. It's a Friday. We do a feel good Friday group where we bring people into the weekend feeling good. And it's this really powerful song and thing that we do at Recovery Unplugged. And so I'm standing there knowing that these two people outside without where we were could be yelling at each other. They definitely don't believe politically the same thing, but here they are two humans battling the same thing together. And that gave me true hope for the future. You know, what's going on right now is quite scary, but I'm also still hopeful. You know, I am Jewish. I do walk to synagogue, you know, on Saturday. I wear a kippah, you know, walking to synagogue. And after what's happened over the last couple of weeks, you know, I never thought in my life that in America, you, you know, there's always going to be, right? When I was a kid, you know, KKK marches and you had, there's always going to be a little bit of hate. But the amount of people that have you know bought into some false propaganda on TikTok and the amount of people calling for the destruction of the Jewish state, I never thought I'd see that in America. And when my own son says to me, dad, am I going to, should I wear my kippah this Saturday? Are we safe walking down the street in, in South Florida in 2023? I mean, I never thought it would come to that. I was in Austin three weeks ago, a week after the, the terrorist uh, attack in Israel. And I was at Austin City Limits Music Festival. And before we went to music festival, I went to the synagogue there. Rabbi Zev Johnson at the University of uh, Austin at Texas, Chabad. Fantastic gentleman. Great person. But every kid that was in there, when they left that dinner, they took off their Jewish stars. They took off their kippahs. They did not feel safe in 2023 walking to, you know, walking back to their dorms, their apartments. And that's scary. That's scary. But. The next night, Marcus Mumford from Mumford & Sons, I just got to give him a shout out because at, towards the end of his set, 
right? Here's a guy. He's not a Jewish guy. He's just a musician, right? And most people didn't say much over the weekend. This is a week after the attack. He stopped his song and he said to the 80,000 people there, he said, just a week ago, there was a peace and love music festival in Israel where people just like us were murdered for no reason other than existing. And I thank him for that. I've you know reached out online to try and thank him for that because just those words from somebody that has nothing to gain from it, right? You know, especially, you know, today is that you should not have to worry about existing, whether you're Jewish, whether you're Christian, whether you're Muslim, whether you're black, whether you're white, whatever you are, you should be able to exist and nobody should challenge your right to exist. And so today, because of what happened there, I decided personally, and with Recovery Unplugged, we are doing a fundraiser with Sheba Medical Center to provide psychological trauma support because there were 2,500 kids at that music festival. And I go back to that because that's where it all, you know, that was the first part of the attack where 1,400 people were murdered. But 260 kids, right? Teenage kids, 20-year-old kids that were at a peace and love music festival were murdered for no, no reason being existed. You know, over 20 were kidnapped and there's 2,200 that were survived. So we're raising the money to provide the psychological trauma support for that. And, um, you know, it just goes into what we do. It goes into what we believe in things are going to happen. Didn't think this would happen, but it did, right? So I'm not going to sit here and be afraid. I'm not an afraid person. I'm going to go to synagogue tomorrow. I'm going to wear my kippah. I've got my, you know, I stand with Israel bracelet. I've worn it on three airplanes over the last three weeks, and and I'm not going to be afraid. But I also know that people are hurting. People are hurting out there. People are confused. People are scared. So all I would say is, just like everything else, it's all about overcoming and persevering. We will get through this. We'll get through this as a country, as a world. I've learned, I've traveled to 70 countries. Uh, I looked at my own family's, you know, history. So my family's heritage is made in a few thousand years, and I and I'm confident that we'll keep going. But I know that properly educating yourself, regardless of what it is, whether it's how Israel came into existence, how America came into existence. One thing that I realized lately is a lot of people don't know American history. How am I supposed to expect them to know, you know, Middle Eastern history? But before you question somebody else's right to exist, find out some information. Don't do it on TikTok and don't go to where you normally look for information, right? If I just go back real quick to, to even compare what we do at Recovery Unplugged, 10 years ago when we started, we started using medication-assisted treatment. And I remember, you know, people were, were all upset that we were giving people Vivitrol and Tabaxone and they were yelling, at, you know, you're giving people one drug with your another. And now it's standard operating protocol. Like if you don't offer that, you're a pariah in the industry and you're, you're letting people die. And I believe that that by us looking at something from a different perspective, right? From us stepping out of what we what we normally would just assume and believe, and now going into what is the truth, what's working, what's not working, and looking at it from a different perspective, we've been able to literally save people's lives. Some of my friends are those people that got those, you know, Vivitrol shots. And I think that today in our world, in our society, you have a lot of people that are just confused. They're protesting the protest. They don't even know what they're protesting for. And if they just understood truly understood who and what they're screaming about, who and what they're, you know, it's okay. Thank God in America, we have freedom of speech. I can wear this bracelet. I can believe what I want. You can believe what you want. We have that freedom, right? And thank God that we do. And we have the freedom to say what we want. But I believe today, unfortunately, you have a lot of people screaming and yelling that have no clue, no clue 
They don't understand the history. They watch a 60-second clip on, on some video, and they're trying to pick up a cause that they don't fully understand. And so that's all I can say is that I believe that everybody deserves the right to freedom. I believe everybody deserves the right to feel safe. And I believe that everybody deserves the right to exist and that Israel and the people of Israel deserve the right to exist. It just hasn't been around for 70 years. My great-grandfather was buried there in 1925. So we go back a long time there and hundreds of years before. So we're going to do our best to help those uh, that have been affected by the tragedy with Sheba. And we're going to continue to help people on a daily basis. But all I all I say to people, no matter what it is, whether it's the Middle East, whether it's your own political view, try and learn. Try and learn the truth. And don't just look at the, the, the same you know loop you currently have been. I love it, Andrew. And for me to follow, keep an open mind, people. Like, listen, I know that you think you've got all the answers. What I've learned about learning is that I have never got 100% of all the answers before I made a decision. I try, I try to get all the, I try to ask all the right questions. Typically I gotta make a decision somewhere between 80 and 95%. And by the way, if I'm having a brain surgery for my child, that doesn't make me feel warm and fuzzy that I've uncovered every answer. But there are things we are not gonna know and I've gotta be okay with the fact that I don't know. And, but I've done the research, I've done the understanding, and, and make an informed position before we get this. You know, the danger to me, folks, is we are doing a lot of decision making on 20% of the information. And those are not good odds. <laughs> that, is, that is not a position of strength. It's not a position of good advice. If Andrew is my mentor, he's never giving me advice on 20% of the information. He asks the right questions to get the right answers and advises me on information that he knows very well uh, before giving that advice uh, because our advices will probably be wrong if we don't have the right information. So, and it's not ill will, it's not unintended. It, it's, this is a consequence of a lack of knowledge. So, so thrilled, Andrew, great way to finish today. Thank you for joining us on the Winning Trying to Way show. Tell them again where they can find you. Recoveryunplugged.com, andrew.sassen at recoveryunplugged.com, also on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, if anybody's out there, especially, I'll just say real quick, Thanksgiving's coming up, Christmas, Hanukkah, the holidays are coming up. It's unfortunately right now the number one time people struggle, people OD, people die. It, it is, it is. And so if if you or you know somebody that is battling or struggling, call us and we're here. We're here to help. If you if we could help you with us, we will. If we can't help you, we'll find a place for you to get help. And that's a commitment I've made since the day we started this. You know, you get a hold of our team, you get a hold of me. You know, whatever we can do to help you or someone that you know, we will, whether with us or somewhere else. That's it, people. Be diligent. Be be vigilant. If you know somebody who's hurting, don't stand by. Take an action. Call someone. Call Recovery Unplugged. Call an 800 hotline. Get some information on how you might help, even if it's not you're the person who's helping. But don't stand by and be the person who lives in that regret like, oh, I wish I would have called somebody. I wish I would have said something. Don't be that person, folks. So for everybody else, winners find a way every Friday, 12.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 a.m. Pacific. Thank you again for joining us. Pretty special episode on our episode. Now over 100 episodes. If you have not seen it yet, go check our 100th episode of our podcast, Winners Find a Way. Always thrilled to have our guests out here. Anything we can do, please reach out to me, Trent at leadershipity.com. Again, thank you special to Andrew Sassen from Recovery on Blog. 
Organizations come to me all the time with challenges of execution and communication with their teams. We help build a system through Bloom Growth and software that gives them simplification and prioritization. I teach, facilitate, and coach these organizations to literally double their value. If you're interested in gaining your individual and organizational growth, please email me at trent at leadershipity.com or click the link below and book a 15-minute call on my Calendly.